When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As the As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Great. Thanks, Lou. He is risen. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Uh, We come today to celebrate the fact that there is an empty tomb, that Jesus is alive. And because of that, we do have hope for our future. It's not something we just celebrate today, is it? We come today, we're all excited. There can be a little lift in our spirit. We can think the Lord is alive. How are you going to feel tomorrow? How am I going to feel tomorrow and the next day and the day after that? Do you and I live with the reality of the fact that Jesus is alive each and every day? Each and every day. That Jesus gives us the victory each and every day. It's interesting, uh, when Jesus rose again um, and he appeared to his disciples, there were three different aspects that he addressed. There was one major one, and that was that we are to be his witnesses in all the world. But there were three subjects that Jesus dealt with, with his disciples, after his resurrection and before his ascension. Three strange little snippets. We're going to be looking at John, John chapters 20 and 21 uh, today. I'd invite you to open up your Bibles if you've got those and just be um, skipping through that. Um, We're going to be looking at the whole aspect of doubts, miracle and failure. Doubts, miracle and failure. Three different aspects of your life and mine. Because Jesus knew that as we went through life, we're going to be confronted with different problems and different things that would challenge us in so many ways. Perhaps having a a doubt about the existence of God or God's ability to to work in our own circumstances of life. To be looking at different aspects of miracles and how can we expect a miracle still from God? And then how do we deal with our own failure? I want to look at uh, these things briefly today. So doubt. Doubting Thomas. Uh, don't you feel sorry for him? Don't you feel sorry for him? I'm not. I'm thinking about the label that uh, Thomas had to carry around, and the rest of people that are called Thomas to this day. Now Thomas is with us today. He's not a doubting Thomas here today, but doubting Thomas. I think we've misjudged Thomas. I think we've given Thomas a bad rap. Perhaps the only other disciple that was given a worse rap than Thomas was Judas Iscariot. But there's almost something about Thomas and Thomas's doubting 
that made Thomas appear to be a second-class disciple. But I don't think that's really the case. As I've had a look at the life of Thomas and, and the life of this fellow, I quite like the bloke. Things aren't quite what they seem, and sometimes things aren't what they seem. I'm reminded of a little um, account of uh, George and Mildred. Uh, they were two unrelated people that attended another church. And Mildred was the kind of um, the gossip, the church gossip. We don't have a Mildred in our church, I'm pleased to say. But in another church, uh, Mildred was the uh, church gossip. And she was a self-appointed uh, morals campaigner and policeman of the church. And um, she was quite upset when we, she saw a new fellow, um, George, who had come along to the church. She recognised that his truck had been parked outside the town's only pub all one Saturday afternoon and into the evening. And so she let everyone know at church the next day. She let George know and everyone else that the whole town would know that George was an alcoholic because his truck was parked outside the pub. George was a little bit taken back by this. He simply stared at her and then walked away for a while. But later that night, um, he took his own truck and he parked it outside Mildred's house and he left it there all night. <laughs> See, things aren't really what they seem. And I reckon that's the case with Thomas. Because in John 20, 19, we read that Jesus appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What honesty. It's honesty and a search for truth that leads to your growth and mine in life. Honesty and a search for truth that leads to our, our growth. And that's why I admire Thomas. He asked the hard questions. He wanted to investigate the evidence. The other two pictures we have of Thomas in the Gospel of John are in, in John chapter 11 when, when Jesus said he's off to Jerusalem and, say, and Thomas said, look, I'm going to go with you, Lord, even if it means I die. So he's certainly someone that was willing to nail his colours to the mast. That was, that's commitment. That's conviction. He was willing to die for his faith. Then obviously the other time we read about Thomas is in John 14 when Jesus is talking about being the way, the truth and the life. And you know, you know, the, you know the way to where I'm going? And Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He was simply asking, Lord, tell us more, explain more. How can we understand more? about who you are. So Thomas gives us a model about how you and I can address our doubts as we go through them. Yet we live with the reality of the resurrection. That's an historical fact. We can go back and look at that. There's evidence through the Bible itself for that. There's evidence in writings apart from the Bible that would validate the resurrection. But how do you and I work our way through with a bit of a Thomas model to address any doubts that we might have? Well, the first one is that we admit our doubts to God and trusted friends. That's what Thomas did in verse 25 that we read earlier. And then Thomas accepted the invitation of Jesus to find the answers. Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting 
and believe. Don't you love this response by Jesus to Thomas? What a gracious response. Put your, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and, and put it into my side. In other words, satisfy yourself, Thomas, that I am who I say I am. Satisfy yourself that I am, the risen Jesus, is here with you right now. Jesus could have aired a lot of frustration, couldn't he? Something like, you know, you just had to see, Thomas, didn't you? You couldn't believe without seeing. I spent three years with you, Thomas. Have you not learnt anything about faith in my time with you? And yet Jesus' response was, Take your time, Thomas. See who I am. Realise that I am he. I am present with you. I make myself available to you to be satisfied as to who I am. And that's the invitation of Jesus for us today. Whenever we doubt that God is there, whenever we wonder where God is, is he aware of our problems, of our aches, of our anxiety, Jesus simply says, come, check it out. Investigate who I am. Perhaps uh, you're here today uh, or you're streaming in and you're going through a hard situation. You've been through a hard situation of life or you're going through one now. And you've begun to think that, that God doesn't realise uh, what you're going through, that God doesn't understand. And you want to see the evidence of the power for the resurrection Jesus invites you to come because he says you will seek me and you find me. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Thomas gives us that model of coming, of investigating, of beginning with the faith that he already had, of continuing to pray and to read, to gather with other Christians because doubts that challenge our faith, doubts faced honestly, can produce growth and then we see wonderfully that thomas saw who jesus was accepted who jesus was recognized that this is the risen lord right here with me and what did he say my lord and my god having checked out all the information checked out jesus seeing who it was he spent the rest of his life declaring who god was um, Bible history, church history tells us that Thomas was the disciple that took the gospel to the subcontinent, to India. So convinced was he about the resurrected Jesus. So we can follow that model of Thomas um, as we encounter our doubts. The Bible doesn't ever say that our doubts are praiseworthy. But the Bible says a lot about the fact that our doubts investigated can produce real growth in our lives and have us living stronger lives. The second aspect that we see Jesus uh, talking about in John 21 is miracles. Miracles. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large 
number of fish. I love this encounter of the miraculous catch of fish. For me, it indicates that God's works of signs and wonders weren't just confined to Jesus' pre-Calvary life. Signs and wonders, we see Jesus doing that as he, as he walked through the countryside, healing, healing the sick, raising the dead, releasing people that were oppressed by demons. All those things that Jesus did pre his crucifixion. Jesus gives us a glimpse of this post-resurrection to say, yeah, I'm still a God that produces miracles. I'm still a God that can cause 157 fish to be caught in a net simply by casting over to the other side. I want to provide good things for those who will follow me. I want, to, I want to feed you well. So here was Jesus having breakfast with his disciples, providing for his disciples on that day. Today we worship a God of miracles. A God who calls us to come and to be expectant of him. And even what each of us are carrying today, or for those on streaming, whatever it is you're carrying today, we worship a miracle-working God. He is able. And he wants us to be bringing our different issues to him, laying our lives before him, so he can direct us and lead us. And the third aspect that Jesus shows us is his desire to address failure and to bring around about restoration. I love the account of the restoration of Peter in John chapter 21. What a fantastic way for John to finish his gospel. The whole gospel of John finishes with this account of Peter. And we know all about Peter, don't we? He was Peter, the one who boasted that even if everyone else would wander off, even if all others would deny Jesus, that Peter would never do that. I will never leave you, Lord. I will never de deny you. And yet we know what happened. We know what happened. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter denied Jesus. Denied Jesus three times and that rooster crowed. And as soon as that rooster crowed twice, Peter recognised what he would, had done and he walked outside and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Can you imagine... The self-loathing, even the self-hatred that he would have been going through over those days. Can you imagine? Me a rock, he must have been thinking. Me a rock that Jesus was going to build his church on? You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. I'm a failure. I walked away from Jesus. And sure, I've, I've seen Jesus and Jesus appeared to me even before this encounter here now on the beach. But Jesus couldn't possibly use me now. I've just shown that I can't be trusted in any way. I denied Jesus. How can Jesus actually use me in this experience? And just we can almost go through and think of all those things that would have been coming to Peter's mind. All those things that would have been driving him. And the guilt that he would have been experiencing at his denial of Jesus. Friends, even here today, you might somehow be excluding yourself, disqualifying yourself from ever being used by Jesus. It could be something that's happened in your life, 
in the past. could be something that is even happening in your life now. And somehow you think, Jesus could never choose to use me. I failed myself. I failed Jesus. I don't think there's any coming back. Well, friends, that's the wonder of the cross. All our sin, all our failure was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. Our sin has been taken away when we by faith come and identify with Jesus' death on the cross. And we can take hold of the new life that God offers. Symbolised in that empty tomb and the fact that Jesus has risen victorious over death. And that because of his resurrection, we can take hold of new life through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus knew what Peter was experiencing. Jesus knew what Peter needed. Jesus knew that Peter needed a special touch and a special word of encouragement. And in Mark 16, don't you love that verse that says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. Why Peter? Why Peter? Go, tell his disciples and Peter. Jesus knew that Peter needed that special word of encouragement. Jesus knew that Peter was disqualifying himself from ever being used. And yet Jesus wanted to give him that encouragement. And so here they were now, Jesus and Peter on the beach together after they'd finished their breakfast. Three times Jesus asked Peter, the exact number of times that Peter had denied Jesus, three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. What does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me, Peter? Of course I love you, Lord. Peter getting a little bit exasperated. Feed my sheep. What's all that about? Not just forgiveness. It was Jesus actually saying, the ministry I gave you earlier, even before you've denied me, the ministry I gave you is still the one I want you to fulfill now. I've still got a part for you to play. This is my way of restoring you, Peter. That must have been music to Peter's ears. Here he was disqualifying himself. Jesus making it very clear that he wasn't disqualified. He was still included in God's call on his life, on an all God had, got, had planned for the world that he was to impact. He hadn't burned his bridges. He might have failed, but with Jesus, failure is never final. As the Apostle Paul wrote, if we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot disown himself. In other words, if Jesus was to cast Peter aside, Jesus would cease to be working out his character of forgiveness and new life and inclusion and love, total forgiveness and acceptance. Friends, that's the message of Resurrection Sunday. I don't know if you're have excluded yourself from a failure. The re message of Resurrection Sunday is that 
God, because of the empty tomb, God wants invites us to go through each and every day, journeying through him to overcome any doubts, being expectant of miracles that he will continue to provide for us as we wait on him. And to remember that our failure is not final as God works with us in our lives. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you that the resurrection of Jesus was an historical fact. And we thank you that it's, we don't just look back 2,000 years ago to something happened and said, well, wasn't that great that there is an empty tomb and that Jesus rose victorious? Because the resurrection of Jesus means far more than that for us today. Father, the resurrection of Jesus means that we too can live victorious lives. As we come to you now, we lay before you any doubts that we have. We lay before you any failures we might have. And Father, we thank you for the miracle of new birth, that you continue to work in us and through us. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.